This is Trek FM. Hello, frequencies open. This is your Trek FM Hyper Channel for Wednesday, June 25th, 2014. I'm Christopher Jones, and we have two stories for you today. Could Star Trek find a home on Showtime? And Nestle plans to create Star Trek's food replicator. First up, the rumors of a Netflix CBS deal for a new Star Trek series simply won't die down, even as those with connections to the franchise and studio work to put them to bed. But don't worry, if the rumor does fade, there is another set to take its place. What if Star Trek were headed not to Netflix, but to Showtime? It does make sense, since Showtime is owned by CBS, but is an antiquated and dying distribution model really the right choice for the next incarnation of a series about the future? Well, a new article on 1701 News makes a case that such a move is the best way to go. Personally, I disagree with this. I do not believe that Showtime is the right venue for a Star Trek series. Now, on the surface, this seems to make sense, right? Because Showtime is owned by CBS, and I think we can all agree that the one place that we will not see a new Star Trek series is on CBS, the actual TV network CBS. It's just not a good fit, in my opinion. Science fiction shows on the big three or four, if you count Fox networks, typically don't work very well. So if I'm CBS and I'm thinking of producing a Star Trek show myself and I want to put it on one of my properties, Showtime is a logical place to go. The thing for me is that We're talking here about a premium cable channel being the home of a new TV series. And this opinion piece, I should point out here, this is not a rumor that they are starting. This is an opinion piece about the possible future of Star Trek. And the article is called New Trek Series? Forget Netflix. Think Showtime. Franchise's television future could be inspired by Game of Thrones. Now, Game of Thrones is, of course, produced by HBO, a competitor to Showtime in the premium cable channel market. The thing is that if the premise of this idea is that the success of Game of Thrones should lead CBS to put a new Star Trek series on a premium pay cable channel that many people don't have access to and cannot easily get access to without buying into the traditional cable television model, that doesn't make sense because let's look at other similar shows to Game of Thrones. Orange is the New Black, the new season of Arrested Development, House of Cards. Who's producing these shows? They're being produced by Netflix, Hulu. Hulu produces so much original programming. And even Amazon is getting into this game now as well. These services, online streaming, on-demand video services like Netflix, Hulu, and whatever Amazon will continue to cook up and whoever else comes into the market, this is the future of television and TV distribution. I don't think that a new Star Trek series would end up on a platform that makes it difficult for 
the audience that wants to see the show to access the show. The studio's already gone down this route, and it was called UPN. When Voyager premiered, I couldn't see Voyager because I lived in Tuscaloosa, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama did not have a UPN affiliate. So the only way I could see Voyager was for my father to record the show from the UPN affiliate in Birmingham, put it on videotape, and bring it to me, or I would pick up tapes from him when I saw him. That's what happens when you put a show on a platform where people don't have access to it. So this is, I think, a very bad idea. Now, Showtime or HBO, I think, is a good platform for Star Trek in that they would be able to do things that they couldn't do on network television to make the show more appealing to a more sophisticated audience, a more mature audience that's accustomed to other types of shows like this these days. Some of the things that they you know, wouldn't be able to do if the show were on CBS or like when Voyager was on UPN or Enterprise was on UPN, they could do. This is actually something that I talked with Rod Roddenberry about a couple of years ago. There is actually an episode of Matter Stream, which is another one of my shows, from September 10th, 2012, And Rod and I talk about his father's philosophy. And this was at the time when Mission Log, the Mission Log podcast, was preparing to launch. And Rod came on and we talked about the show. And we actually talked about this exact thing. What if Star Trek were on Showtime? So listen to that if you want to hear Rod's thoughts on it as well. And we both pretty much agreed that it it could be a good platform. But since that time, I mean, that was almost two years ago. Since that time, Netflix and Hulu have blossomed. And the things that I saw being beneficial about Showtime are now possible on these other platforms as well. And you can reach a very broad audience all around the world through these two platforms. A quote from the article on 1701 News, though, this is from the unnamed source, the person asked not to be named. They said, the television audience is rapidly changing and serious high-end programming just isn't found on the networks anymore. Yes, I completely 100% agree with that. But that doesn't mean showtime. This type of programming is found on newer what I would call more modern platforms. They also said the success of the last two movies has forced everyone to take a cautious approach to the franchise, and no one wants to make the same mistakes of a decade ago. I agree, no one wants to make those mistakes, but again, I think if you go Showtime, you're making the same mistakes again. You're walking right back in to the distribution problems that you had with UPN. The article also says, and this is not a quote from that person, this is just part of the article, the last thing CBS or Paramount wants, however, is oversaturation like it had to end the 20th century, when there were two Star Trek series on at the same time and movies pumping out every couple of years. Well, I don't think we're in any danger of that. There hasn't been any new Star Trek on TV in close to a decade now, and we're getting a new movie every four years. And fans are screaming for new Star Trek. So no one's concerned about oversaturation. If anything, right now, we have an undersaturation 
of new Star Trek content. We may have an oversaturation of Star Trek merchandise today. We certainly don't have an oversaturation of Star Trek stories and content. And finally, the article says a premium cable run could be exactly what the studios are looking for, especially something that can help showcase Showtime, which really doesn't have any hits outside of Homeland on the level of Game of Thrones or True Detective. Again, there may be a reason why Showtime doesn't have these hits. You have to pay for a premium cable channel if you want to watch shows on it, and people are increasingly less inclined to do that when they can get programming for free online or they can pay the equivalent of two cups of coffee per month for Netflix and Hulu. So those are my thoughts on it. They stress in here that, of course, none of this has been verified by Paramount or CBS in any way. This is all pure speculation. This is an opinion piece, and that's my opinion on it. I'd be curious to know what you think. Do you think a premium cable channel like Showtime is the right home for Trek? If so, why? And if not, why don't you think so? And if you don't have Showtime right now, if a new Star Trek series came to Showtime... Would you get Showtime just to watch Star Trek, or would you wait until the show came out on Blu-ray, which would probably happen less than one year after that season was on TV in the first place, because that's just the trend with television these days. I'd love to know what you think about this. You can find me on Twitter. My username is C, Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. And you can find me on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash C, Brian Jones. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the article on 1701 News. So you can go over there and you can read the entire piece because I I very much just paraphrased and uh, pulled a few things out there to talk about. All right, next, on to something a little bit lighter than getting worked up about the future of the Star Trek television franchise. Nestle, who is the largest food company in the world, wants to bring customization to your diet. Now, customization is big these days. You can make gadgets your own by choosing colors and textures and features that fit your own unique tastes. Should nutrition be any different? Sure, you can put time into cooking carefully planned meals, but few people these days have time to do that. And Nestle wants to address this through the creation of a device that could resemble Star Trek's food replicator. The aim of the device is to tailor foods and nutrients to the individual and make this food available at the touch of a button. So if you like your Ractagino with a nutritious Jacarine pill, you could be sipping one within the decade. Now the goal of this is not just, it's not like TV dinner of the future, like you don't have time to cook, so press a button and you get food. There's more behind it than that. Nestle has a group called Nestle's Health Institute, NIHS, and they have over 100 scientists there working on various projects. And it's a large scientific operation. And what they're really trying to do is to find the links between deficiencies that we have in our diets, like certain vitamins that we don't take in enough of, that can lead to serious illnesses like cancer or other illnesses. And they want to make it easier for people to get the nutrients that they need, again, without popping pills. They actually say the solution to the problem is not through pills, but with tailored foods that could be created in a machine 
for individuals. And what Nestle is trying to do with this project, which by the way is codenamed Iron Man, they're trying to find a way to help people be healthier and to make food preparation quicker. The chief doctor at NIHS, and I, I know I'm going to butcher the name here, Dr. Emmanuel Baitke, B-A-E-T-G-E, told Bloomberg when talking about the proposed device, out comes your food at the press of a button. If we do this right, it can be the next microwave in your kitchen. So it sounds pretty cool, right? You you want some food, you go over and you, I don't know, it doesn't say like if you tell it what you want, but but they do say it's about five to 10 years away. Now, if we're talking five to 10 years away, not one or two years, chances are by then you probably would tell it what you want and it would understand you. Maybe you're going to say, Siri, give me that Ractigino. And it's going to know which Ractigino is perfect for you and it's going to pop right out. Hopefully the food will look a lot better than the styrofoam colored cubes that Kirk used to get in the original series. So this is what they're trying to create. And it could resemble Star Trek's replicator. I assume the functioning of it would be different. They're not going to be materializing food out of matter the way that, well, I guess it might be technically some kind of matter, but you know what I mean, not just from a pattern and then and then through energy the food magically appears. I would assume you have to actually put some kind of material in it to make food, but who knows? Maybe they have something really cool going on that we don't know about. So we'll see where this goes. I'm eager to watch it over the next five to 10 years, as they say here. And I'd like to know from you, would you eat food from a replicator? It's it's hard for me to imagine doing that personally. I I kind of think that is where we're headed in the future. But still, I don't know. I'm old enough where it's one of those things that's a little bit hard for me to wrap my mind around, even though I've watched it in Star Trek all these years. I still think when I want food, I'm going to go in the kitchen and cook it. You know, I I don't eat much frozen food. It's mostly all fresh. Uh, if it's prepared at home anyway, it's all fresh. Who knows what they do in restaurants? But but you, who knows? You know, I think this could definitely have health benefits for many people. So uh, let me know what you think. And I'll put a link in the article over on the BBC where you can go and find out a little bit more if you like. Now, I do have a network update for you today before I close out the show. It's a Wednesday, and that means the Ready Room. And this week, we're back around to Voyager. And I'm joined by the co-host of our Voyager show to the journey, Charlene Schmidt, along with Suzanne Abbott and Scott Herzog of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast to talk about Death Wish, one of my favorite episodes from Voyager, one of the great Q episodes in all of Star Trek. And, you know, when Voyager premiered, it really seemed a given that Q would turn up on the series at some point. But the producers were very cautious about that because it's really easy to overuse Q and just use him for comic relief. And they wanted to grow his character. And if they brought him on Voyager, they wanted to make sure it mattered. And they couldn't figure out how to do it. And then finally, Michael Piller's son, Sean, came up with the idea that became Death Wish. He came up with a great story that really addresses some very difficult and divisive issues like assisted suicide and the treatment of prisoners and the rights of individuals versus the good of the society. And in this episode of The Ready Room, Char, Suzanne, Scott, and I really dig into this episode and we really talk about not only the story and what they try to tell, but also how some of these issues have impacted us each individually 
in our own lives. And it was a really interesting discussion, I think. So I hope you'll tune in. And you'll find the episode in your feeds right now if you subscribe to the individual feed for The Ready Room or to the Trek of Him Complete Master Feed. And you'll find that in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Swill, BlackBerry, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. We're all over the place. If you're not subscribed already, just search for The Ready Room and Trek.afilm, and you'll find us there. And if you go to our website, you can also stream from the page and you can grab the RSS link. Well, that's our look at the news for today. If you're streaming Hyperchannel from our website, remember that you can subscribe and have each daily episode delivered straight to your smartphone or your tablet. And that really helps me out too if you subscribe. It helps other people find the show because the more subscriptions we have, it does help us rise up there through the iTunes store. And you can also get the Trek FM Complete Master Feed, which contains every episode of every show that we do right there in one place. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I would love to chat with you about these stories that I talked about today. I would especially like to know what you think about Star Trek and Showtime. You can find me on Twitter. My username again is C Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash C Brian Jones. On Twitter, you can also find the network. Our username is Trek FM. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm. On Google+, we have a community. Just search G+, communities for trek.fm and you'll find us. Our forums are at trek.fm slash forums. Our contact form is trek.fm slash contact. That comes to me by email. And if you look in the sidebar, the left sidebar on the show page for this episode, you'll see a widget that lets you send me voicemail right through our website. Well, thanks as always for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with some more stories for you. And until then, go watch some Trek. Trek.